Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to The Counselor's Couch. I'm your host, Calvin Williams, licensed professional counselor. I want to welcome you to season two of The Counselor's Couch. You know, we dropped 22 episodes in the first season, and I am truly grateful for each and every listener and download. I hope that you enjoyed the sessions, and I hope you learned something useful. I really hope that you took some time and an opportunity to share the couch with somebody close to you because I want to blow the roof off the numbers this season. I'm really enjoying this podcast, and I definitely want to see it grow into something more. You know, I'm not sure what yet, but I'm open to exploring options. We're going to be adding more sponsorships soon, so if you're interested in being a sponsor, then definitely reach out to my email, or if you have any suggestions for topics or interviews, then let me know. You know, I received some great feedback about our last episode, Meet the Peeps. People really did seem to enjoy hearing from the family, and I'm really looking forward to having them back real soon. It was sort of a glimpse into my little world, and I hope it kind of helped you get to know me a little bit more. You know, I've been a counselor for over 25 years, and I've been privileged to work with populations ranging from pediatrics to geriatrics. You know, I've worked in inpatient hospitalization settings, outpatient residential college, university settings, and even in a general private practice. Some places I preferred more than others, but I really have enjoyed the journey and the people that I've met along the way. Now, this is not some sort of a retirement speech or anything like that, just simply a reflection on my journey and what may be next. And for some reason, I keep getting a suspicion that this podcast is going to play a role in it somehow, some way, or at least I hope it will. But I'm going to need your help with that. So please remember to take a minute, review the episodes, and share them with a friend. Get the message out there. Before we get started, let me remind you again, nothing provided in this podcast implies a therapeutic relationship between counselor and client. It's solely for education and entertainment. Counseling can help you overcome challenges, enhance your relationship, and develop skills to lead the life you want. If you're considering therapy, then please reach out to a trained, licensed professional in your community. If, for any chance, you are interested in seeking counseling in the Monroe, Louisiana area, or if you live anywhere in Louisiana and you would be interested in participating in teletherapy with state-approved professionals, well, then contact the providers at HealthPoint Center, Psychology and Counseling Services. HealthPoint is a collaboration of independent, licensed professionals who are dedicated to improving your quality of life and guiding you on a positive path toward change. We provide services including psychological testing and evaluations, individual, couples, family, and group counseling, covering a variety of topics of mental health and personal development. Things like depression, anxiety, substance abuse, relationship conflicts, and so much more. We even offer play therapy with a registered play therapist for children's issues. That's Health Point Center located at 1818 Avenue of America, Monroe, Louisiana. Call today to inquire about services, providers, or book an appointment at area code 318-998-2700. Well, it's that time again, so pull up a cushion, kick off your shoes, and grab a cup of coffee. Let's get started with the session. You know, people may not know this about me, but I enjoy reading. And to be honest, I really enjoy listening to books in my car. I'm a huge Audible fan. I just love it. And you can probably guess what kind of books I prefer. Personal development and growth would probably be the best way of grouping my preferences. It's also not uncommon for me to be engaged in two or more books at the same time. It can be a little messy, but I like to see things from different perspectives. 
and I like to see what one author values over the other. It's not about judgment or right or wrong. It just is what it is. And it's probably also related to my ADD. You know, I was recently reflecting back over some of the books that I've read in the past year or so, and I can tell you that many of the titles would probably make you blush. In fact, my wife was looking for something to listen to on Audible for a short trip that she was about to take, and she came into the room after looking at my list, sat down in front of me, and looked at me with concern. Honey, do we need to talk? I was just looking at your reading list, and every other book has the F-bomb or a curse word in the title. Are you all right? Well, of course I'm all right. I sort of went through a phase of books that are currently on trend that you may have seen at the local bookstore. Those that know me also know I've never strayed away from a good curse word. Now, I've made no bones about it that I love the writing of Gary John Bishop and his urban philosophy. His books, Unfuck Yourself and Stop Doing That Shit, are both great resources for somebody really wanting to get real and to make a change in your life. It's a combination of stoicism and the reality of our current world. You know, he has a great way of cutting past the BS and getting right down to the heart of the matter. Also, if you haven't read Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, I would also highly recommend it. Despite the colorful language, the message resonates with me. It's not really what you think it might be about by looking at the title. It's actually a book on recognizing what you value and what you are actually investing your life actions, time, and energy towards. Both of these writers share a similar mindset, as do I, about controlling the things within your control and finding peace in your life through acceptance of the things we cannot change. Now, I have shared these insights in previous episodes, and I hope you can see the common theme I present as a host and especially as a therapist, because that's truly what I feel is the real mission, empowering individuals to take personal responsibility for their life, to own it, and to write the next chapter. Don't be a passive participant in your own life. Take whatever step is needed to embrace an active role. Read, search, confront old beliefs, have difficult conversations, be awkward, learn something new, whatever it takes. Identify a goal and set it. Then focus on the steps it will take to reach that goal. Put your effort, your energy into the journey and not the destination, and you will truly be amazed at what can be accomplished. So I'm currently reading two books, the recent releases of my two favorite authors. That's Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart and Gary John Bishop's Love Unfucked. I know it's an interesting combination, but both of these writers appeal to me for different reasons. Now, today I want to talk about Brene's book, Atlas of the Heart. Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of Human Experience. What I really appreciate most about Brene is the way she humanizes the experiences of life. She's incredibly intelligent, but she writes in such a manner that we can all embrace and connect. You know what I mean? I've read many books and articles where the writer tries to distance themselves from the reader and creates kind of a hierarchy, oftentimes leaving a reader alone and feeling somewhat, well, less than. Like I should have known this, and because I didn't, I'm a failure as a human being. I don't know, maybe that's my own baggage. Regardless of that, Brene's writing doesn't take me there, and for that I'm grateful for her insight, which is really interesting because everything she shares is grounded in research and data. 
which can be daunting to communicate, to say the least. I will tell you that everything I have read by her has led me to explore my own issues and challenged me to grow past how I have defined myself in my life. She's not afraid of an awkward moment or the power of vulnerability, and her writing is evidence of that. I was actually introduced to her writing by a client, and I'm so grateful that I was. It shows that we learn as much as we teach, and we are led as much as we lead. Now, as I read through this latest addition to my personal growth and development, I found myself kind of reflecting on the concept of hope. What is it? Well, if you consider the dictionary definition of hope, which many of us do, you would consider hope a feeling of expectation and or a desire for a certain thing to happen. Well, it seems pretty straightforward. We often use this definition daily in our life. We hope that the traffic will be light on the way to work. We hope all the donuts are not gone when we get there. We hope for a raise. We hope for a better relationship. And we hope that others will change or even see the error of their ways, at least as we see the error of their ways. We have expectations and we have desires. Unfortunately, we're all too often disappointed by our expectations of others and of the situation which seems it would then rob us of our hope and send us down a rabbit hole of disappointment, victimhood, and even despair. Wow. All of that just because we have hope? Well, it's not that simple. And now I'm not advocating for a life without hope. That would be crazy. And it would set us up for a life of depression and despair. When we lose hope, we will likely find ourselves adrift in a lost world, powerless and unable to find our way forward. Perhaps you're experiencing that for yourself. Maybe you've been hurt, abused, manipulated, and you've lost hope. But I wonder, did you really have it in the first place, or did you have a misinformed perspective of what hope really is and how it works in your life? Now allow that to marinate for a second. Have I really given any active thought to what hope really is and how to cultivate it in my life and the lives of others. Well, I don't know, maybe you have. Or perhaps you're like many of us that have not really taken the time to reflect on this topic because we just took for granted that we know it and how to do it. You know, I have this picture on the wall outside of my office door with the capital letter H, which stands for hope. And it reads, once you choose hope, anything is possible. Hope is a choice. I appreciated the exploration of hope in Brene's book and her clarification that hope is a cognitive process. Now, let me repeat that again. Hope is a cognitive process. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's start with accepting that hope is not a feeling. It isn't this warm, cuddly feeling we experience that sets off some sort of motivation process to get better or to make a significant life change. I think that because we view it in this manner, or in a similar manner, we feel disconnected and lost when we don't experience the outcome we're seeking when we attach it to hope. This, in turn, sends us into a victim role, focused on our powerlessness and spinning out of control, the control that you didn't have in the first place. So then, what is hope, besides something that we all need? In her book, Brene shares with you the research of Charles R. Snyder. He's the author of Hope Theory, 
that identifies hope is made up of a trilogy of goals, pathways, and agency. So, in other words, hope is not a feeling, it's a cognitive process. You experience hope when you can set realistic goals. Where do I want to go? You can then figure out a way or a pathway to reach these goals, and you have belief in self or ability, referred to as agency, that you can do it. Now, the combination of these three make up what we refer to as hope. But it's likely you've never thought about it in this manner. We just sometimes have blind hope that it will all work out. Perhaps we're confusing hope with faith. You know, language is everything. Faith is often defined as a complete trust or confidence in someone or something, often applied to our belief in God, and trust in that belief without visible proof. Perhaps it's better to say I have faith in the hope process, which then empowers me to take an active role in the situation. Now, Snyder's hope theory has been around since the 80s and 90s, so it's not really something new. However, new research, such as Brene's work on shame resilience, has sparked a new revival and interest in hope and how we can influence, develop, and offer hope to others. Although hope is not a feeling, there is an affective or emotional aspect to it. I love the description used in Atlas of the Heart when she describes hope as a function of struggle. We develop hope not during the easy or comfortable times, but through the adversity and discomfort. Now, that's insightful. Basically, without the discomfort and struggle, we would not develop hope. What many people don't understand is that hope is learned. The research suggests that hope is learned from the environment and parents. If you were not raised to think in hopeful ways, develop realistic goals, identify flexible pathways towards these goals, and you were not encouraged to develop a sense of confidence in your ability, well, then you may often find your hope is fleeting or challenged. Children raised in environments with relationships that presented healthy boundaries, consistency, and support learned hopefulness. It was not about growing up without the struggles that developed hope. It was actually growing up with the opportunity to face our struggles in an environment of consistency and support. An absence of the struggle or these characteristics doesn't actually lead to a harmony that we would expect. It actually leads to hopelessness. You know, I was recently talking with a young lady struggling with a breakup. She was hurting. I mean, really hurting, curled up on the couch in the fetal position. As I worked with her, I offered her compassion and offered her support. Now, I also told her that if I could take her pain away, I wouldn't do it. Her reaction was less than favorable until I explained. If I took it away from her, I would rob her of the opportunity to grow and to learn, to develop resiliency and to develop hope. It still sucks, but she doesn't have to go through it alone. This is how we encourage hope in others. Don't take away the struggle. Allow them their growth. Just sit on the bench next to them or walk along the path with them. That is true compassion. So I guess if I didn't grow up in an environment that developed my ability to be hopeful, all is lost, right? Wrong. Now you had to know I was going to go there and wasn't going to make it that easy. This topic is way too important. 
But why? Because life is difficult, especially now in the world which we live. This makes hope so important. Viewing hope as a cognitive process allows us to approach problems with a sense of empowerment, which increases our chances of making a change and actually impacting our world. However, to truly develop a hope mindset, we have to start with changes in our thought process. We have to start with accepting there will be a struggle. Now, remember in an episode previous when I said you were hardwired to be a problem solver, that it's in your DNA? Why? Because there will be problems. Accepting this simple concept is your starting point for significant change. Accept the struggle. Lean into it. Don't run from it. Avoid it. Medicate it or deny it. Accept it. And then you are capable of navigating it and finding a resolution. And that, my friends, is true hope. If you're unable to navigate the situation, well, it doesn't mean the situation cannot be addressed. It simply means I have limitations in my ability or my agency to address it. So identify your limitations and seek to learn what you need or get help. To do this, it's helpful to ask questions regarding what Snyder referred to as pathways thinking and agency thinking. Now, pathways thinking is about your ability to generate different pathways from where you are in the moment to where you want to be in the future. It's important to explore multiple plans towards your goals. The more options I can develop, then the more likely I am to reach the goal, therefore facilitating hope. This is also an area to seek help when developing these options. You don't have to be alone in this process. Now, offering alternatives to somebody can be tricky, if unsolicited. So I always encourage people to ask if someone is open to feedback before offering it. Pathways thinking is really about exploring your cognitive ability. And this can be challenging for some of us. So it's important that we seek help and learn something new. Some simple examples of pathway thinking questions to help you evaluate a situation are, what is going on? Where do I want to go? And what may be stopping me? Now, take some time to reflect on those questions and even write your responses down. It's all part of the hope process. Now, agency thinking is a little bit different. It refers more to your intention, your confidence, and overall ability to take the pathways toward your desired outcome. So this has more to do with your emotional ability to follow through with the pathways established. How is your belief in self and your ability? This can also be a challenging area for many of us, especially in emotional times when we struggle with our ability to function or accomplish tasks. This is also a time where we can help encourage someone's development by having hope for them. I encourage many of my clients that part of my job is to have hope for them while they are building the ability to have hope in self. Of course, what I'm referring to is hope in their ability to take the pathways established towards their goals. It's also about assisting someone in developing the necessary tools, skills, and confidence to reach their goals. Some typical questions regarding agency thinking are, which strengths can I use to achieve my goal? What aspects of my current situation actually work in my advantage? Or, when was I successful in similar situations in my past, and what made that successful? 
Questions like these help us to evaluate our agency and can help us identify areas that we might require assistance. It's often beneficial to develop some type of assertion that you can verbalize to encourage your belief in your ability to accomplish those goals. One that I find helpful personally and that I share with others is, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm capable. Now, this helps to remind my brain that despite the current feeling response I'm experiencing, I possess the ability to cope with whatever is happening at that moment, even if that means I need to learn something new or get help. For me, this represents true hope. Now, as I let my mind race away at all the terrible things that could happen in my life, I can easily get overwhelmed. I can go dark really quick if I let those thoughts go unchecked. My assertion helps me have faith in the hope process that no matter what happens, I know it can be coped with or overcome. Unfortunately, I may not know how to cope with it or overcome it. I may need medication, hospitalization, five-point restraints, a vacation, or a kick in the butt. I'm open to whatever I need to do to cope or to overcome. From there, I find hope and whatever I might face. I don't have to know all the answers. I just need to know how to ask the questions. Well, it seems we've reached the end of our session today. I want to thank each of you for listening, and I encourage you to keep coming back. As you move forward this week, please be mindful of hope as a way of thinking, not as a warm, fuzzy feeling that we often think that it is. There's hope in the struggle and hope in the pain. Now, as I end this episode, I want to send out some words of encouragement to a close friend and her family. We're all suffering from the loss of a wonderful man recently due to complications associated with COVID. This is truly a devastating loss to our lives and the world. Donnie was always a joy to be around. He brought light with him wherever he went. Those of us that were privileged to know him are better for the experience. You don't grieve this loss alone. To his daughter, you know how much you were loved by your father. He's prepared you for the path in this world as a good father should. Honor him with your grief. Rejoice in the life he led. And in time, you'll find hope in the loss. You know, Donnie had such a great sense of humor and his jokes, memes, and Facebook posts will truly be missed. He had a heart for his family, his friends, and his community. We love you guys and we stand heartbroken with you. Today, I want to leave you with a quote from the late South African Anglican bishop, theologian, anti-apartheid, and human rights activist, Desmond Tutu. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Remember, folks, you're not alone. Live intentionally, love daily, and laugh often. Please subscribe and follow me wherever format uh, you use to listen to your podcast. And please take a moment to leave a review. You know, these really do matter more than you know, and they allow us to improve or adjust the show as needed. So let me know what you think. And take a minute to share the episode with a friend or with a family member. I really want to get the message out there this year that you are not alone. And if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, well, you can email them directly to Calvin at CalvinCWilliamsLPC.com, or you can reach me on Facebook at Williams Professional Counseling Services, LLC. You can even check out my website at www.CalvinCWilliamsLPC.com, or 
If you'd like to schedule a therapy session with me, well then contact us at HealthPoint Center at area code 318-998-2700. I always look forward to hearing from listeners, so please feel free to submit topics of interest, comments, or questions. Thanks again for stopping by, and remember folks, there's always room for you on the Counselor's Couch.